Hello, and thank you for joining us for Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, Season 3, Episode 7, Kerfuffle. If this is your first time listening to Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, you might want to go back and start at Season 1, Episode 1, The Egg, so that you can get the full story. My name is Marin Langdon Spillane, and today we are thrilled to welcome back special guest artist Aaron Davis. Please check the show notes for links to Aaron's amazing artwork and coloring page. We love to see things you've created that are inspired by Fadpack. We've seen costumes and Lego creatures, clay sculptures, and stuffed animal impersonators, as well as many, many gorgeous drawings and paintings. So we encourage all of you listeners to create anything that you're inspired to while listening. Then, if you'd like, you can share your creation with us on our Facebook page or email it to us at PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. And now, let us begin Season 3, Episode 7 of Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, Kerfuffle. Previously on Fad Pack, Talora, Petra, Asriel, Amethyst, Citrine, and Bob arrived in the city of Tremaine, where Asriel and Petra are being held in a cage and trained by the king's animal trainer, Vera. Their most recent training session took a dangerous turn when Vera forced the dragons to wear painful saddles, and Petra decided to fight back. Luckily, Bob had enlisted the help of the giant fuchsia warthog tribe to create a distraction in Tremaine that will allow the fairies and Talora to free the dragons. Get off of my brother right now! Petra looked at Vera, who met her gaze. All was still for a moment. Then Petra took a deep breath, preparing to release another stream of fire. I warned you! Get off of him! Everything happened quickly then. From her perch on Azrael's back, Vera turned to the guards holding crossbows. As Petra expanded her lungs and prepared to shoot another stream of fire, Vera yelled, Fire at her, but only to wound! Quickly! No! No! Azrael yelled frantically. Get off of me! Roar! With a tremendous effort, Azrael shook his body as hard as he could, and Vera was flung off of him. She hit the ground hard and rolled, yelling at the guards to fire, but they seemed confused about which dragon to aim at. Fire now! At the golden one! Vera screamed, staggering to her feet. Petra looked at Azrael, both of them wild-eyed. The guards aimed their crossbows at Petra and let loose their bolts. Petra instinctively hit the ground, curling tightly into herself, wings squeezed hard against her body. She could hear Azrael's frantic roaring and the shouted commands of Vera. She felt the bolts hit her body, but then... nothing. There was no pain. She slowly uncurled herself and looked around. She could see some of the bolts lying in the grass next to her. She looked over her body. Two of them had stuck in the outer shell of her dragon-scale armor, but had not penetrated deeply enough to hurt her. Petra, Asriel, Vera, and the guards all seemed to realize the same thing at once. They couldn't hurt her. The bolts were not strong enough to pierce a dragon's hide. Some of the guards dropped their crossbows and ran. Others started to quickly load their weapons again. Petra! Petra! Asriel was struggling toward her frantically. He swung his tail wildly, knocking a guard to the ground. Get away from her! Petra turned toward the remaining guards who were standing, bows raised, looking confused. She rose shakily to her feet and took a deep breath. 
She was a dragon. They were humans. They could not hurt her, not with their weapons, not with their saddles. They could not break her. Petra looked at Vera and could see the fear on her face. The guards were backing away slowly, and Petra began to advance on them, feeling the fire building in her, a strong and reassuring warmth within her body. She felt in that moment capable of things she had never considered before, and she was equally terrified and exhilarated. In one last attempt to regain control, Vera screamed at the guards, Aim low at her underside! Roar! Petra roared and marched directly toward the nearest guard. He was frozen, terrified. You should leave, she told him. There was a breath of a pause, and then the guard slowly lowered his crossbow to the ground, took a few steps back, then turned and ran. He was swiftly followed by the others. Petra watched them go, and then she turned on Vera. Vera was standing in the grass where she had been thrown from Asriel, staring at the dragons. When she spoke, her voice was calm, though Petra could sense her fear. Petra... I understand you're upset. This has been a lot for you to adjust to. Perhaps I was hasty in introducing the saddles, but there is nowhere for you to go. The city is full of guards. If you are caught, it will be worse for you, especially after this little outburst. Why don't we just get you both tucked back into your quarters for the night and give everyone a chance to relax? Everything will be just right. You'll see. Petra began to walk toward her slowly, keeping her gaze locked to Vera's. "'You don't get it, do you?' she said. She was dimly aware of Asriel moving behind her, still struggling under the constraints of his saddle. "'You do not understand me. You do not understand dragons. This is your fault!' Petra, now let's stop and think here for a minute. I'm sure we can work something out. Vera was stepping backward slowly, looking more afraid than calm now. Petra, Asriel whispered, what are you doing? Petra was moving more quickly now as she advanced on Vera, and Vera began to scramble backward. Her boot caught on a rock, and she stumbled and fell onto her back. And then Petra was upon her, towering above her, looking down at this frightened, fragile human who thought that she could control dragons. Her rage built in her, gave fuel to her fire, her fear and pain creating a desperate crescendo in her body. She could feel the spikes of the saddle strap against her as she breathed in deeply, feel the fire that could course out of her, saw Vera directly in its path. Petra was shaking and tears were coursing down her face. Everything was frozen for a moment. Vera's face was frightened. Petra could feel her energy, feel her emotions. She looked deep into Vera's eyes. And suddenly, instead of Vera on the ground beneath her, she could see Talora. She could picture Talora's arms around her neck, Talora's legs gripping her sides as they flew, Talora's eyes full of dancing emotion and thought. Petra took a deep, shuddering breath and a sob escaped her. Go, she said to Vera, backing away from her slowly. Get out of here! Don't come near us ever again! Vera rose shakily to her feet. She looked at Petra, and her fear was replaced with something else. Hatred. Anger. She raised her chin, and after one final look at Petra and Asriel, she turned and ran, out of the arena, back toward the city, swiftly lost to sight in the falling darkness. Petra collapsed to the ground, breathing heavily. Asriel, I... I almost... I could have... Asriel crouched carefully next to his sister. I know, I know, Petra... It's okay, it's okay. 
Petra shook her head quickly. We have to get out of here. They'll be back with more guards. And then suddenly there were shouts from the city below them. People were screaming and there was a thundering sound as if the ground was shaking and the roaring of something that sounded like a large, angry animal. Petra and Azriel looked at each other for a moment. Bob's distraction, murmured Azriel. Can you fly? asked Petra. I-, I think so, but not far, I don't think. Follow me. Petra leapt into the air, the saddle chafing against her, and flew quickly to the edge of the arena, above the seats, where she could look down upon the city. Azrael landed beside her, already out of breath from flying the short distance. The noises from the city intensified, more lights were being lit, and shrieks were piercing the night air around them. Azrael squinted. What's happening, can you tell? Not really, it looks like everyone's running through the streets, and... What is that? Uh, it looks like some kind of creature. Uh, big. Horses? No, bigger. What are they? Are they pink? I don't know, but I like them, whatever they are. We should get out of here. Do you think you can make it to the woods? I think so, but how will they find us? How will they know where we are? They will, Azriel. <laughs> Look at them. They can do anything. Bob's plan was unfolding better than even he could have expected. He had been very clear with the warthogs that he didn't want anyone to be hurt, deliberately, so to speak, and that the goal was only to provide a distraction, a disturbance, a diversion. Tiffany had looked slightly disappointed, but had addressed her tribe confidently as they reached the edge of the forest on the outskirts of the city. "'You heard the pony Bob, everyone. We are only to cause mischief. Chaos, confusion, kerfuffle,' she added, winking at Bob. "'Amanda, you take your company through the eastern gates. Jennifer, approach from the west. Kimberly, with me.' Now, who's ready to show these dim-witted, nature-fearing, two-legged shoe-stuffers the mighty pride of the giant fuchsia warthog tribe of the Eastern Forest? The tribe responded exuberantly. On me in three, two, one. Stampede! The warthogs erupted from the trees and out of the forest, stampeding in a flood toward the gates of Tremaine. Before Bob could be trampled by the many hooves of the giant warthogs, Tiffany reached down, scooped him up in her tusks, and tossed him easily onto her back. So, now Bob, a simple pony of the rainbow herd from the Shazborough grasslands, found himself riding astride the leader of the gigantic fuchsia warthog tribe, amidst a sea of warthogs, into the largest, the only, human city he had ever laid eyes on. He was terrified and exhilarated, but the small realization bloomed in the corner of his mind that no other pony had ever, or would ever, again claim this particular honor. All in a day's work, Bob muttered to himself as he attempted to stay astride Tiffany's back without falling to what he was sure would be his certain death. If he hunkered low against her, he could match his body movements to hers, and he was reminded of when he was a small pony and had ridden astride his brothers and sisters as they galloped through the grasslands. The warthogs surrounded the city and easily crashed through the gates at all available entrances swarming the city streets. Tremanian people and guards alike ran from them in horror and confusion, taking shelter in any available doorway or small space. Tiffany was galloping happily down a narrow side street now, laughing as people dove out of her way, scrambling into buildings and slamming doors. Bob noticed that she was very good at appearing about to trample someone and then dodging at the last second. She leapt into a small fountain, kicking up a veritable tidal wave that soaked several people who were unable to shelter in time. Bob felt a surge of noble heroism overtake him, and suddenly found himself letting loose with what he was reasonably sure was his very first 
battle cry. That's the spirit, Bob! yelled Tiffany as she leapt out of the fountain. They were in what looked like a small village square, and every now and then Bob caught a streak of bright pink as the warthogs moved through the side streets around them. Tiffany galloped toward a small barn-like structure, and with a swing of her tusk she unlatched and opened the door. Out poured a tangle of ducks and chickens, all squawking madly. Release the poofs! she called loudly, and she and Kimberly began opening more doors, and soon there was a cloud of feathers and loudly clucking, honking, and flapping poultry swarming in every direction. With another swing of her surprisingly dexterous tusk, Tiffany scooped up a nearby bucket and swung it backward toward Bob, who surprised himself by catching it easily before its contents could spill. It was full of grain. A mix of corn, barley, and wheat, he quickly assessed. Um, yes, thank you for this bucket of grain. I do get peckish during a spirited romp, uh, charge, uh, chase? (laughs) How thoughtful. It's their food, Bob! Scatter it! Let's go! With a yell, Tiffany launched herself forward, and Bob, wide-eyed, threw pawfuls of the grain. As the kernels hit the ground, the chickens and ducks all whipped their heads around and began excitedly flap-running toward the food. Bob threw again, and a spattering landed atop a large man hiding behind a barrel. The chickens tackled the man, and he disappeared beneath a flurry of feathers. Attaboy, Bob! Look at him go! Chickens are just so cute, I will never get over it. Look at those fluffy little bottoms! Tiffany ducked down another side street, and Bob abruptly found himself in a tangle of damp fabric as she had led him directly into someone's clothesline. Tiffany plunged ahead, and Bob glanced down to note that he was now adorned in a vibrant yellow dish towel and could feel another garment of some sort wrapped around his head. Tiffany looked behind her and snorted. Ha! Nice underwear helmet! That's a good look for you, Bob. Bob wasn't sure what underwear was, but he liked the sound of a helmet, and so he kept it on, along with the cozy towel. Tiffany was off again, and he continued to scatter grain toward the eager and ever-growing flock of chickens and ducks that surrounded them. Oh, if only the ponies back home could see him now. He wished the fairies were here to witness his triumph, but they had left him as soon as they had entered Tremaine, loudly complaining about all of the people they had to break out of towers and dragons they had to break out of cages. Tiffany, Bob, and the poultry rounded a bend in the street and found themselves confronting a sea of sheep milling about in confusion and three warthogs galloping happily around, herding the sheep expertly into the open door of someone's house. Screams of surprise from the house and happy baas from the sheep issued forth. Bob turned his head and saw another warthog pulling a small wagon behind it, in which rode several children who appeared to be having the time of their lives. A few panicked adults ran behind, yelling for them to stop, but the children ignored them and begged the warthog to go faster. As they ran past, Bob flung the grain bucket in a wide arc, and the contents rained down over the pursuing adults, causing them to trip and fall, landing in a sea of chicken treats. Immediately, the chickens and ducks were upon them, happily pecking and scratching as they attempted to consume every morsel. "'Inspired, Bob!' said Tiffany, as the people sat dazedly on the ground, covered with contentedly clucking poultry. Bob looked around him. The streets were free of humans, but full of noise. Chickens, ducks, sheep, and apparently now dogs, which he had never seen before, and, oh, look, cats, all chasing, pecking, squawking, buying, and barking, and hissing. Warthogs were slowly making their way back toward Tiffany. Tiffany glanced around her and snorted in satisfaction. Well, Bob, we're probably reaching the end of our window here. They're easy to confuse, but not stupid, these humans, and they'll rally and come after us soon. Do you think we've created enough mayhem to cover your friend's escape? 
Yes, Tiffany, I do indeed think this has been sufficient. Most chaotic. Quite a kerfuffle. Very much appreciated. Our pleasure, Bob the Pony. We hold our oath of the Dunayan quadrupeds fulfilled. We look forward to calling upon your brethren in a similar time of need. Warthogs, our work here is done. Make for the woods. And as quickly as the warthogs had entered the city, they were gone, leaving behind them a mystery that the Tremanian people would tell stories about for ages to come. Soon after leaving the city, Bob had said goodbye to Tiffany and the warthogs and found himself alone, anxiously pacing back and forth at the meeting spot in the woods that he and the fairies had agreed upon. Bob's plan had succeeded so far, but had it been enough? Only time would tell. Finally, he heard a pounding of feet, and Talora appeared, out of breath, with amethyst fluttering around her head. Bob was relieved, but where were the dragons? "'Bob!' Talora exclaimed. "'Are you okay? How did you... how did you... How did you do all of that? That was amazing. Those warthogs were incredible. Where did you find them? And is that is that underwear on your head? Greetings, Talora. Yes, this is my helmet. A small plunder, if I may be permitted to remember this day of days. I am indeed just fine, quite exhilarated, if I'm being completely honest. Rather enjoying the successful pandemonium that my new warthog friends have so efficiently sowed here this evening. But enough about me and my glory. What of the dragons? Hey parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. Um, they were gone, replied Amethyst. When we got there, they had already eaten all of the soldiers and burned down so many things. Uh, we don't actually know if that's what happened, corrected Talora. I saw what I saw. When we got there, there were no guards, so your distraction worked, Bob, but Petra and Asriel were gone. There were crossbows on the ground, and a cart was on fire. Citrine went to find them. We don't know if they're okay. We're here, everyone! came the voice of Citrine, just before they came fluttering into view. They flew up to the group and began speaking in hushed tones. Okay, they are right behind me, but, like, maybe you should, I don't know, like, get ready to see something awful, okay? Talora gasped. Are they hurt? Oh, no, they are totally fine. But, like, they are totally not fine, you know? Petra and Azrael emerged from out of the darkness. They looked tired ragged in a way that Talora had never seen them look before. Then she noticed. Petra had small arrows protruding from her scales in two places, and Azriel was walking a little funny. Talora cried out in shock. Oh no, oh no, no, what did they do to you? She was beside them in an instant, her fingers working frantically at the crossbow bolts in Petra's sides, while the fairies fluttered over them both, healing any scrapes or bruises they could find. Azriel stretched his wings gratefully and took deep breaths. We're okay, Talora, we're okay. When I found them, they were wearing saddles, whispered Citrine. Yeah, so we decided to leave, added Petra. Ah! Talora screamed in frustration. How dare they? How dare she? Oh, Petra, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Azriel. 
She wrapped her arms around Petra's neck and reached for Azriel too, and even though it wasn't quite physically possible for one teenaged human to hug two half-grown dragons at the same time, Talora did her best. She felt both of them trembling against her, and Petra's head sank onto her shoulder and rested there for a moment. Then she raised it and looked at Talora. Talora, I... I burned the cart. Talora looked into Petra's eyes, which were huge with a fierce anger and with fear. It's okay, Petra. It wasn't your fault. It was. I wanted to... I wanted to hurt those people. Those people were hurting you, Petra, and Azrael. Of course you wanted to hurt them. Petra shook her head. No, but... I almost did. Talora rested her hand on Petra's shoulder. It's okay, Petra. You were in an impossible situation. You didn't hurt them, and you're safe now. We'll figure it out. Talora could tell how shaken both dragons were, and she wished in that moment that she were Beatrice, big enough to comfort them both, a strong presence of safety and warmth. So many feelings, Citrine. There are so many. It's like a waterfall of feelings. A cascade. A kaleidoscope. Uh, should we just let them happen or get straight to business? It's sometimes hard to know. I know what you mean, Amethyst, but I think that Carnelian would do the thing with the business. Ah, uh, yes, I find myself agreeing with you both. We are, as it were, relatively unsafe here. We need a new plan. And I am fresh out of ancient oaths to help us out this time. <laughs> Talora nodded. You're right, we do need to move quickly. Listen, Petra, Asriel, we need to catch you up on a few things. First of all, Talora took a deep breath and looked at the fairies who fluttered to the ground and bowed their heads. Do you want to tell them? Amethyst raised their gaze to Petra and Asriel and then carefully spread their delicate purple wings so that the diamonds were visible. Even in the darkened forest, they sparkled clearly. Petra narrowed her eyes. Are those diamonds on your wings? How did that... Citrine spread their wings, too, and diamonds shimmered across the pale yellow surface. Diamond wings, Asriel said slowly. Carnelian is gone, Amethyst said softly. We are the diamond wings now, added Citrine. Petra looked in shock at the two fairies. I am so, so sorry, she said slowly. You must be feeling really sad. Amethyst looked in alarm at Citrine. Citrine, that is it. That is the word of that feeling thing that I have been experiencing. Oh no, am I turning human? Citrine shook their head. No, Amethyst, I have it too. It is heavy. It makes things look kind of darker. And at the same time, it doesn't feel real. But it does feel real. Like, super real. This is confusing. And our wings... Amethyst looked at their wings and shook their head. Dolores sank to her knees next to the fairies. In all of the confusion and her own concerns about leaving Beatrice, Tom, and the draglings without the protection of Carnelian, she had neglected to acknowledge what this loss must feel like for Amethyst and Citrine. "'I'm sorry,' she said softly, looking at the two fairies, who still stood with their sparkling wings spread, their chins raised. "'That feeling? The sadness? It won't feel like that forever.' Azriel shook his head. I'm sorry, too, but how will we communicate with Mom now? How will we know what's going on and if they're okay, if they've found Stella? Why does everyone keep fixating on this amethyst? Do they not realize that we are the Diamond Wings now? We can, like, do stuff. Stuff that Carnelian did. Amethyst nodded. We can figure this out, and we will. 
Also, I get that you're sad about this disruption to your fairy talking line and everything, but there are bigger problems right now. Right, Citrine said, looking suddenly more energized. Which brings me back to my original point of business. We need a plan. To Laura. Oh, um, right. Well, this whole thing wasn't a complete disaster. I have some good news. We have a lead on Florian. What? How? interjected Petra. He used to sing for the king, and it sounds like... like Florian went to Durga. He wanted to become a knight. Really? Azrael said eagerly. I mean, who knows if he's there still, but it's the only lead we have. Petra looked worriedly at Talora. So, will you go back with Ozar? Talora nodded. Yes, I've thought about this. I've been called home, so unless I go back under their terms, I'll have to hide, and it will be harder to do what I need to do. But if I pretend to go along with Ozar, return to Durga, and make them believe I'm doing what they want, I'll be able to get more information, and once I've gotten it, I can leave. Azriel looked at Petra. But we can't go with you to Durga. Talora bit her lip. No, you can't. It's not safe for you to be anywhere around humans right now, and hiding you would be almost impossible. I think we need to separate for a little bit. But Talora, what should we do? We can't just skulk around in the woods, and I am not going back to our mountain. Not right now. There's too much going on. We can help. Yes, Talora said. Yes, you can. Listen, I have an idea. When I was talking to the king, he mentioned Shakatala. He was really upset about something, and he wasn't making a lot of sense. He kept mentioning some widow and said that she convinced him to go after Shakatala's treasure or something. He feels like it's his fault that Shakatala got the armor and started hurting humans. He said it's because he took the treasure from Shakatala's mountain. There's something here that doesn't make sense to me. Somehow, Shakatala, the Arbor Fairies, Florian, and the King of Tremaine, they're all connected. And if that's true, then this is definitely related to the prophecy, to Stella, to the Dragon Star. So far, this isn't so much an idea as a monologue, though, whispered Amethyst to Citrine. So, my idea is, oh, okay, good, here it comes, is that you two can go to Shakatala's mountain, see if you can find someone to talk to. Maybe there are clues, creatures there who know something. At the very least, we can learn a little more about Shakatala and what happened. And who is this widow? I just, I don't know, I know it's not a lot to go on, but I have a feeling that there's something there we need to figure out. And if we do, then we're helping your mom at the same time. Petra nodded, looking slightly energized. Okay, we can do that. Azrael looked at his sister. Yes, we can. I mean, it might be kind of interesting to see Shakatala's mountain. Our dad's mountain. And even if we get his fire back, we still need to convince him to take it. And the more we know about him, the better, right? And he's being hunted by humans, so it's not like we have a lot of time, Petra added. Yes, exactly. Azriel nodded thoughtfully. And then we'll meet up with you after, Talora, and we'll figure out what to do next. But how will we know where to find you, when to meet you? Petra looked worried. Citrine sighed. Amethyst, you know what this means. That Petra needs a makeover like we gave to Bobbledy-Doop? No, Amethyst. That you want to take that totally fetching pair of polka-dotted undies off of Bob's head and repurpose it into a cozy sofa for our fairy bungalow in Talara's pack? No, Amethyst! Have the feelings gotten to your brain? Although yes, on that amazing sofa idea, coming back to that later, but no, I mean, we need a fairy talking line. Calm down, Citrine. That was going to be my next guess. So, 
we will have to separate. One of us goes with the dragons, one of us with Talora, so that we can talky-talk between them. Oh, Citrine, but we have never been apart. Not for a really, 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 really long time, at least. We are always together, Amethyst and Citrine, Citrine and Amethyst, Amarine. Um, I like Citrithist better, but anyway, Amethyst, listen, I feel weird about it too, but we have to make sacrifices because we are the Diamond Wing now, and these are like our, um, weed, what is the word for a group of creatures who like care about each other or whatever and like do stuff for each other Dolora smiled a family no no I was thinking like a club but sure family's fine Citrine nodded briskly fairies don't have families of course but times are changing you heard that big angry Ozar and I suppose this seems kind of like a family situation here you know taking care of each other and sacrificing and all of that is this, like, part of the quest of Citrine? I think so. Honestly, we need to get back to the Crystal Caves before I turn into a tiny, winged human totally saturated in, like, loyalty and stuff. Agreed. But in the meantime, I'll go with the dragons, you go with Talora. Citrine nodded. I will keep our fairy bungalow in pristine condition for you. Amethyst looked at Asriel and Petra. Asriel... Do you still have that little carrier thingy you made for Bob's? I could maybe, like, redecorate that, and I would share it with you, of course, they added, gesturing to Bob. Much obliged and happy to share, I'm sure. Indeed. But, uh, my helmet stays with me. We'll have plenty of time to talk about your questionable fashion choices on the journey. Okay, Talora said. So, Citrine and I go back to Durga, the rest of you to Shakatala's mountain, and we'll... We'll see what happens next. I need to get back to my room before they notice I'm gone. Asriel, Petra, you should get as far away from here as possible, as quickly as possible. Talora looked at the dragons and felt her eyes filling unexpectedly with tears. They hadn't been apart since they'd left for their quest. She flung her arms around Petra, then around Asriel. Be careful, okay? Petra nodded. We will be. You too. You've got this, Talora Shamsa. We believe in you. Always. Talora laughed through her tears and reached down to scoop Bob up into a hug. Goodbye, Bob. Oh, oh my. Oh, well, yes, all right. Hmm. That's very nice, indeed. Talora put Bob down and looked at Asriel and Petra one last time. She took a deep breath and turned, Citrine fluttering behind her. Citrine whispered, poof, and Talora became invisible. The two of them began to head back to Tremaine. Talora looked at Citrine. Didn't you want to say goodbye to Amethyst? Citrine heaved a sigh. Okay, look, this never-ending goodbye event was taking forever. Somebody has to make sacrifices so we can get this show on the road. Talora looked at the small yellow fairy fluttering above her shoulder and felt a rush of gratitude. I'm glad you're with me, Citrine. Citrine perched on Talora's shoulder and tweaked her ear. Shh, no more talking, Talora. We need to save our strength for what is ahead. And so, Talora and Citrine walked the rest of the way back to Tremaine in silence, Talora's thoughts racing ahead toward the next phase of her quest.
Hello again. If you'd like to know what happens next, please join us for episode eight, The Traitor. If you have any questions, comments, or artwork you'd like to share, please email PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. Petra handles all of our communication for us, as I may have mentioned before, and she has recently gotten a brand new keyboard that allows her to type using just the tips of her claws. Wow, it's pretty cool, Petra. If you're enjoying Fad Pack, there are a few simple and fun ways to support the show. If you can leave a rating or a review on the device that you're listening from, go for it. We would love that. This is a great way to help others find the show, and it really means so much to us. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is a proud member of Kids Listen, a grassroots organization of advocates for high-quality audio content for kids. You can find more great podcasts at kidslisten.org or download the app. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is made and recorded by Dirt Road Theatre in Northfield, Vermont. Fadpack is written and performed by me, Marin Langdon Spillane, and written and created by Dominic Gracelin and Oliver Spillane. The music you heard was composed by the amazing Nathan Lee. You can see more of his work at nathanlee.net. Thank you for listening. <laughs>